You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, November 30th. The 49ers are continuing to prepare for their biggest regular season game of the year against the Eagles. No pressure, though. Um, <laughs> joining me to to talk about some history, some injuries, and some rain is my Thursday co-host, Rob Stascarera. Rob, how are you doing today? Steph, I'm so excited. How long have we been waiting and looking ahead to this game? And now we can talk about it all we want because we're not looking ahead at all. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, yeah, look, looking forward to it. Uh, I kind of feel like the 49ers are, are, or 49er fans at least, have been looking forward to this game more so than maybe like Eagles fans. Uh, I think it was in the bully ball comment section. We had a bunch of Eagles fans in there, and one of them said, you know, actually we were waiting for the Chiefs game a lot more than the 49ers one, <laughs> which makes sense from their standpoint because, you know, that was a bigger game that they lost to the Chiefs. Um, but our heartbreak comes from that game against the Eagles. So yeah, that naturally that was the one that we circled on our calendars and I'm very excited for it and we'll, we'll get into it, but as always on our Thursday show, a little throwback Thursday this week in 49ers history. Like we always start these November 27th, 2014 49ers lose to the Seahawks 19 to three at home on Thanksgiving. Check out these stats. Colin Kaepernick threw for 121 yards and two picks. Oof. Right, yeah. Frank Gore was held to 28 yards on 10 carries. 49ers' leading receiver in that game was Carlos Hyde <laughs> with three catches for 38 yards. Woof. <laughs> I mean, that was that's so so bad. And you know, Rob, the reason that I wanted to, you know, obviously bring this one up and, you know, I always like to keep the relevancy of it all. Obviously, this week um, or an exact week ago, the 49ers avenged us all and, and got to partake in their own celebration after curb stomping the Seahawks in their home. Um, and like, I know we've moved on from that game. It almost feels like we weren't able to really like relish in the excitement and just like the enjoyment of what that game felt because it was like okay and now the eagles and you know maybe deservedly so because the eagles week is is huge but man i just want to enjoy this (laughs) like come on guys uh so i thought it'd be cool to like reflect a bit on how the 49ers have improved since that um 2014 game and I like what Jay said, you know, my co-host on Bully Ball, uh, on Gold Standard Network on Tuesday. He said, we're not little bro anymore. You can't bully us around anymore. And I, I really think that's true. So I, it felt like a full circle moment. We should cherish all the wins over the Seahawks, considering how they have stomped us in the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. Yes, it, you're right, though. It did feel like we were like, okay, Seahawks game over. Now we can talk Eagles, but it's like, no, let's enjoy the victory. They smushed the Eagles into dust, ended their hopes of the NFC West. I think the Eagles and are going to lose. Oh, yeah, excuse me. I think the Seahawks are going to lose tonight to the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football, which is going to make them an afterthought uh, in the division, which I'm always here for. But you're right. It was a fun game. 
I especially winning like that in Seattle. That place, even when the 49ers were awesome, that place was a house of horror for them. So it was nice to see the victory. It, it's so crazy to think because, yeah, that, that 49ers team was really good. And we always felt, while nervous, good that this was going to be the time that we had beat them. And just it, it would never happen. But, yeah, I mean, the 49ers have a super team now. And, you know, the Seahawks just aren't aren't the same since the Legion of Boom days. So um, I'll, I'll take that for whatever it's worth. But now the 49ers are on a mission to prove to their next opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles, that they won't be bullied by them either. Now, like what you said, Rob, you, you said that, uh, you know, the 49ers beat the Eagles, maybe a little bit of uh, <laughs> manifestation there. I know it was a, a mistake you said that, but maybe maybe not. Maybe you're, you're kind of projecting the future a little bit. Um, but of course, for the 49ers, being at full health will be key for them. And right now they're dealing with a key injury to their defensive line. Uh, to Eric Armstead dealing with a foot injury. He did not practice uh, in yesterday's Wednesday practice. Now, Armstead has dealt with a foot injury before. In fact, last year he missed several games with uh, plantar fasciitis. Now, when Kyle Shanahan was asked if it was the same issue as then as last year, he said he wasn't sure, which I don't know if I should feel good or (laughs) worse about that like I don't I don't know um now Rob what really worries me though is that after Thursday night game which Eric Armstead finished that game by the way but after Thursday night game an additional rest nearly a week later he's not practicing with this foot injury I don't feel great about that uh no I don't feel great about it at all one thing that I do think was encouraging though is Matt Mayoko in his story for NBC Sports Bay Area said that he was expected back at practice later this week. In fact, everybody that missed practice on Wednesday was expected back at practice this week and should be available for the game. But you're right. It is concerning because the whole, you know, supposed benefit of having all this extra time was the health benefit. And yet here we are. Well, that that is good news. I hadn't seen that from Mayoko, So that's really good. I'm glad you're bringing that in. The other guys who did not practice in Wednesday's practice was, um, uh, Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Jordan Mason, sorry, uh, dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod dealing with a rib injury. Um, And I think there are a few others, but none of them starters. None of them as notable as, you know, Eric Armstead, of course. So we'll keep an eye on it. Good news that it seems like the team is expecting him to to be ready to go uh, later this week. So that's good to know. We'll we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, Certainly, they're going to practice later today, so we'll keep an eye on that report as well as Friday, the game's injury report. So hopefully he'll be able to pull through and be available uh, for the defensive line this week because he's been huge since the, the yes. bye week. As, as everyone on the defensive line, it feels like they have stepped up in a major way since that bye week. Um, but, Rob, I do want to shift the focus to the 49ers' offensive line, if I may. Uh, last week... Aaron Banks returned to left guard. Spencer Burford, though, was out. So we got to see John Feliciano at right guard, which is where, you know, Kyle had mentioned he wanted to get him some work in there. Um, He said that a few weeks ago. Now, Spencer Burford was back at practice on Wednesday, but uh, Matt Barrows tweeted that it appears as if John Feliciano will at least get worked in at right guard in Philadelphia. Now, we were kind of reading the tea leaves on this for a while now, I think, and 
and kind of assuming that this is where things were going to go, that maybe they would rotate Feliciano in, you know, maybe, you know, when Spencer Burford is back healthy, you know, he would, he would start, but maybe if he struggles, then you throw in Feliciano. Like this certainly seems like they'll be rotating him in. Um, Are are you kind of like uh, reading this the same way as I am? I'm overjoyed that we are getting less Spencer Burford. Do you know his PFF pass blocking grade this year? Do you have any idea? It's bad. I know it's bad. How bad? Just guess. Like under 50. Yeah, way under 50. Like 30. Under 30. It's 23. And you can say whatever you want about PFF. Some people think they're great. Some people think they're terrible. I don't think PFF is so terrible that Spencer Burford is actually a really good pass rusher and they just don't know what they're talking about, right? He's hideously bad at pass blocking. So throw Feliciano in there. He can't be worse. The odds that he's worse are (laughs) minuscule compared to the odds that he's better. Even a league average tackle will be a massive improvement from a pass blocking perspective. And I actually saw the chart that you retweeted uh, the other day mm-hmm. about how Brock Purdy has basically been thriving in chaos. He has had some of the worst pass blocking in the league over the last six weeks. So he's kind of putting the team on his shoulders, right? This is what we always talk about when we talk about quarterbacks. Brock's doing it right now. There it yeah, is. That, that's the chart right here that pretty much shows he has the lowest percentage of throws from a clean pocket. And when he has a clean pocket, which is not very often, he has the highest EPA. Um, well, he's up there with CJ Stroud as far as EPA in a clean pocket, but far and away the the lowest percentage of throws from a clean pocket. So yeah, he's he's doing he's doing more with less. And I do appreciate that about Brock. I think it's it's so clear that. He, he's he's making this offensive line look good, even though like we know we've seen it. They're they're not exactly that good. And yeah, part of the reason is that right side. Part of the reason has been Spencer Burford. Now, what I thought was interesting is that John Feliciano in his first action as a 49er at the right guard spot, he allowed four pressures and four hurries last week against the Seahawks. He was also called for a penalty. So not like the greatest game, like statistically speaking. Um, and so I, I kind of wonder if that's just the not really feeling comfortable yet with that right side, given that he was working on the left side for a few weeks, you know, um, I, I'm chalking it up as that, you know, maybe with more experience on the right side, he'll get a little more comfortable and get a little bit better to your point, Rob, like, can't be much worse than Spencer Burford, right? Like, it really can't. So, Again, like, this whole thing that the 49ers have at right guard, how, like, we're going to rotate in. Like, no other team does that. You only do that if the guy you have stinks. Like, that's a desperate situation. There's no other team that's rotating in offensive linemen like that. So that just tells you what the Niners think of their situation and, and what they think they need to do to fix it. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because the reason that most teams don't do that is because so much of the offensive line looking good, I think, is predicated on continuity and, like, the line gelling. And then if you're rotating, guys, you don't really get that continuity and, like, you know, stacking your snaps, I guess you could say. So it's weird, but it it's kind of worked in, in the past. Like, last year it worked with Daniel Brunskill and, and Burford. 
And so it kind of seems like in spots, in, in small bursts, Spencer Burford can put together some okay snaps. But if he's there the entire game, then it just doesn't look good, right? But for what it's worth, in two games at left guard, uh, John Feliciano gave up four pressures, three hurries, and one quarterback hit. But I thought like he filled in nicely, um, you know, compared to – not compared to Aaron Banks, but I, I thought he he filled in – nicely for him in, in that time. So also helps to be next to Trent Williams. So yeah. You know, can't discount that for sure. Like having um, you as a co-host. <laughs> oh, that that's so nice. I, I'm I'm glad I'm not the Colton McKivitz of uh <laughs> co-host. No, definitely. Uh, that, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Um what's up, John V. Thank you for joining us in the chat. Now one of the things I wanted to talk about, Rob, is obviously this matchup against the Eagles. And I kind of just wanted to deep dive into the history of trash talking between these two teams. And it all, of course, it seemed like it started, you know, before that matchup even happened, you know, in the NFC championship game, uh, you know, just two big juggernaut teams going into that NFC championship game. There always is going to be a feeling of, well, we're the better team. And, you know, sometimes, Trash talking goes into that. And then you had, uh, is it Jonathan Gannon, uh, their former uh, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, who's out now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, saying we're going to gut these guys uh, before the game, which really irked me. Uh, and so, that yeah, that one we won't really be able to see what happens in a part two there because it's a different defensive coordinator. But there's a long history of, of trash talking between these two teams before and after that game. And I just wanted to like highlight uh, some of them that happened, most of which happened after. So Brandon Ayuk said, quote, if, if I were going to bet on this game, talking about the Super Bowl, I would go take everything that I own, get it in cash and put my money on the Kansas city chiefs. Um, not mincing any words there. And then, uh Gardner Johnson on Debo earlier this season actually said, don't be friendly when you see me. You can't run routes. You're a running back. That one's hilarious because Debo never said anything bad about Gardner Johnson specifically. And he's not even an Eagle anymore. Like he plays <laughs> on the lions. So it was just like unprompted came out of nowhere. It came in the middle of the season. Like so weird. And then Robbie gold got in the mix too um, in the off season and he said, if you make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, you're probably going to have a pretty solid day on defense. Robbie Gold said that. Like, that one's insane to me. And, of course, I'm sure I'm missing some things, but, you know, Joey Bosa was at that game, and, you know, he got heckled um, by some uh, Eagles fans. Ferd Warner's wife uh, noted, you know, being verbally harassed by a few Eagles fans as well. And, I think the one of the biggest ones that I wanted to share and maybe my favorite was Debo Samuel um, talking about the Eagles secondary. Uh, and this is what he has to say. Let me ask you this question. So Brandon, I come out and say he did. When he said he said that they was going to get exposed. The, the Eagles defense. What was he saying about yeah. that? Where's the holes? <laughs> where, yeah, right. Where are the holes? There's, there's, there's holes. The holes? The holes? It was some the wide open end. plays now. The back end. You got the all pro and the all pro. The D-line make him all make make both of them all pros. You know, so yeah. Slay, I respect Slay. What about Bradbury? Trash. Bradbury? Did you see the play that Brandon had? The second play of the game, he got hurt. Heard he got hurt? Talking about the second. 
No, no lines told um, on on that one. Brandon Ayuk did get open on that play, <clears throat> and there were plays from even later in the game where Brandon Ayuk even like cooked Bradbury. So, I I think it was warranted. Of course, you know Eagles Eagles players aren't going to take a liking to that, but no lines detected from Debo on that one. And I kind of feel like they they got to think the same way about. This, the Eagles secondary, maybe even more than they did last year, this year going into this game. Well, first of all, the the disrespect from Debo, just no like pre, just trash, like no <laughs> great, you are garbage. I thought that was hysterical. Um, it's frustrating because we never will know like what would have happened last year when they played, but I do think there's going to be opportunities for the Niners against this Eagles secondary. The question to me is how well does the offensive line hold up and can Brock Purdy get the ball there? I think he can, but I think he, I think Debo knows there's going to be opportunities. And it's really weird that like we have both of these two teams and they're both really good. And last year, the Niners were super confident they were going to beat the Eagles and the Eagles were super confident they were going to beat the 49ers. It's, I, I mean, I guess it's all part of like pumping yourself up, but it's amazing how both sides really thought Ah, we're going to be able to handle them. But I love that. I, I think that's just part of like playoff football, right? And mm-hmm. and getting to that point, the NFC Championship game. I mean, like I said, you're, you're looking at it as you're the best team in the NFC, and you know the team across from you has nothing on you. So I, I love that energy. I I know this isn't a playoff game, but I think to to an extent, it's going to feel like one. Um, but as far as like the trash talking, the history of it, like which team do you think would be more motivated by it? And just like all of the storylines that go along with this matchup, or like, do you think it's not a, more of a motivating factor, but more of a distraction? I think it's clearly motivating the Niners more. I think the Niners are clear, clearly more motivated in this game. Yeah, the Eagles would like to prove, hey, we still would have beaten you. But, like, they did beat the 49ers last year. The Niners have that loss, right? Because the Niners spent the whole offseason telling everybody they would have won, that they were the best team and all this stuff. And so now they got to back that up. They they all have to back it up. Debo, Ayuk, anybody that said anything. Robbie Gold can't back it up because he's on his couch. But... They, I, I think it is a motivating factor and they're downplaying it this week. They're, you know, everybody has said Bosa, Trent Williams, Debo, Ayuk. They've all said like this year is this year. It doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. Bull. It totally matters to them. Watch how they play on Sunday. Watch that game. And you tell me honestly that this doesn't mean a little bit more to them than the Bucks game or the Jags game this year. Of course it does. These guys are human beings. Yeah, I agree. And I did want to talk about uh, what Bosa had to say because, you know, we're always wondering about about what Bosa thinks about anything, right? Like, you know, (laughs) who doesn't want to know? Um, So Bosa was asked about uh, how motivated the team is to, quote, wash away the NFC championship loss in this game, to which he said. Um, I don't know. I mean, last year it's over with. Um, neither team finished the job, so it's not like they're looking back and um, reminiscing on an NFC Championship win either. I'm sure they're they we're both sad at the end of the year. Uh, we both have aspirations to win Super Bowls, so um, it's a new year, and it's a big step for both of us to get. 
Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I, I like what he said, and I think it just goes from the perspective of the 49ers have kind of been on the other end of this where, you know, they've won an NFC championship game. They leave the team who they beat, you know, boohoo and crying. Um, and you just got to move on, right? Like at, at the end of the day, the next time those two teams meet, none of that really matters, right? You got to, you got to take into account that, the teams are different. Sometimes it's different players. Sometimes, you know, schematically it's all different. And I don't know, some of the, the talks not really going to help them, but I do, I do agree with you, Rob. Like I, I do think the 49ers need this more and looking at just this season alone, the 49ers need it more because it, it matters more to them for the seeding. The Eagles have been the one seed almost all season and the 49ers are their only chance to get the one seed is if they beat the Eagles. They virtually have no chance at all if, if they oh, don't yeah. get this done. So I, I think for them, it, it means a little more, not just because of what happened in the NFC Championship game, but even mm-hmm. present day, looking at you know how much it means to them, I, I, I think they should be more motivated. And I honestly think, you know, Brock Purdy, going back to where he suffered that injury, like I, I don't think it's going to bother him or get in his head at all. I think he's going to go out and – prove not to him not just to himself but to his teammates as well that yeah he could have taken them and and gotten them that win in that game too yeah i think it's for brock he wants he because he like you said it he has like two different personas off the field he's all shucks uh, you know i'll have your daughter home by seven o'clock nice guy <laughs> oh, on the field he's like i'm going to kick your ass he's like ice in my veins yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, pumping everybody up. So he definitely has kind of those like two different personalities. And so I do think he wants to show that he would have beaten them. He hasn't said anything like that. But when you watch him on the field, he's a gamer. He's a I don't want to use the word killer because that's, you know, that's not the best word. But he's an assassin out there. He wants to beat you and beat you badly. Yeah. And and I think Fred, who also has like a similar mindset on the field, is going to come with similar energy because of what his wife experienced there last year. Like, that's personal. Like some of the things that, you know, some people say, like Debo calling, you know, Bradbury trash, like maybe a little personal, but it's like now, nah, like whatever. Uh, but that's like really personal what what uh, his wife was told. So. I don't know. I, th- I think we're going to see one of Fred's best games. I mean, they're going to need it if if they hope to win this game. But, you know, because there's a lot of outside noise surrounding this game, like Kyle was asked about uh, the 49ers game against the Cowboys and how he was proud of the team for staying in the moment for that game. And if it applies to this game as well, kind of different situations to me though because like the 49ers didn't really need to listen to the noise because they had won they had beat the Cowboys so many times it's like I feel like to the 49ers it was more of just any other game versus like the Cowboys are thinking about it over and over they're in their head 49ers are living rent free in the Cowboys heads kind of thing Um, and that of course is from several games of losing to the 49ers this is now like one game, but I feel like it's a little bit different. And, you know, Kyle said he thinks that staying in the moment mindset applies every week and quote, uh, the moment is exactly what it is every Sunday. And if you got to make sure that's reality for our players, um, right. I think that's easier said than done. 
so far from what I've heard from the 49ers players, it seems like they're not really thinking about the past, but you know, I don't know if that's truly the case. I don't think it is. I mean, how could you not? Right. I just, it's fine that they're, I think they're doing the right thing by, you know, not saying anything publicly. Like I remember the Cowboys before the Niners game, they were like, this is a measuring stick game for us. And they were, you know, Jerry Jones is like the Niners are where we want to be. They were talking it up like big time. And then they got their doors blown off. I think the Niners are smart to say what they're saying. I just don't believe it. I think it matters to them. I think it, you know, it's, in their minds, winning this week will prove to them that if they do have to go there in the playoffs, that it's no big deal. That, hey, we've done it before. We know we can play with these guys. We'll beat them at our house. We'll beat them at their house. So I think it does mean more to them. And I also think they're smart for not saying that publicly. Yeah, I think so, too. At the end of the day, like I think the 49ers have like the mental fortitude to let it strengthen them in this game rather than you know, psych them out or anything. So, but Rob, one of the things I'm kind of worried about in this game that could maybe psych the team out is rain. (laughs) Um, Looking at, so I just grabbed the screen grab of the forecast for Philadelphia on Sunday earlier this morning. So this is the latest and greatest for what we're looking at for Sunday, 56 degrees. So the temperature went up a little bit, but cloudy with showers and chance of rain, 60%. Uh, so as of right now, Thursday morning, it seems like there's a good chance it's going to rain maybe the entire game, if anything, on, on Sunday. Now, one of the things that I don't want to say concerned me, but, you know, I made note of, you know, Kyle was asked about the rain yesterday when he spoke with the media and it just doesn't seem like he's phased by it or thinks that the 49ers need to do anything different to prepare for it. And he said, you know, he thinks Brock Purdy is as good as any quarterback he's had in the rain. And he said, quote, we'll just try to have an efficient one today. Talk about Wednesday's practice and deal with it Sunday. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's like, my favorite approach. I mean, if you could just dunk the ball in some water and just have the guys practice with that, like, does that really hurt your practice at all? Like what, what does it hurt to just be ready for those conditions uh, a couple days before the game? I think that Kyle doesn't want anything to disrupt his precious practice. Remember, this is the same guy that said he values practice in the preseason way more than the preseason games. He wants his practice to go a certain way And I think he is vastly understating the impact that the weather is going to have in this game. We have seen Brock Purdy in the rain. I've seen it. I saw that Cleveland game. He was fumbling the ball without being touched. So if he's not doing it in practice, Brock needs to do it after practice. Go the Peyton Manning route. Before the Super Bowl against the Bears, when there was rain in the forecast, Peyton Manning was dunking footballs in water and practicing with them. There's a reason for that. Like Kyle said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't make the ball any less slippery. If you practice it. Yeah, but you get used to it. It's different, yeah. Kyle. I think he's maybe he's lying, but I think he is vastly underselling the impact that that could have. And Brock better do something. And there was one really, really bad rain game that he played in college at Iowa State. It was against Drake, I think, in 2018. And he wore a glove in that game. So maybe Brock's going to have a glove on Sunday. Who knows? But you can't have that ball slipping and sliding all over the place, whether it's a glove, whether it's extra practice with the wet ball, whatever it is, 
You have to have a plan. It can't just be, well, we'll deal with it. That's not a plan. Hope is not <laughs> yeah, a plan. That's crazy. We'll just deal with it Sunday. We'll worry about that when we cross that bridge. Um, that is insane to me. But yeah, I mean, it, it just seemed like Kyle downplayed uh, Brock Purdy's performance mm-hmm. in the Cleveland game, which not all of it is due to the rain. But to your point, Rob, like the ball was slipping out of his hands. And like you said before, he was even touched. So that is due to the rain. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I, I just would have hoped that there be more preparation uh, for the rain going into it. I mean, this is a big game as any, and I feel like you got to think about everything, but it, it almost felt like for Kyle, it was more important that they have a good practice <laughs> than right. they have a good game <laughs> on Sunday, which is wild is that's absolutely wild to me. And, and uh, Grant, I believe asked him, do you ever have your quarterbacks do anything special and he said no and like oh brock's as good as any quarterback i've ever had in the rain well that doesn't tell me anything maybe you've been stuck with a bunch of guys who suck in the rain like that's it's just bogus he does this all the time right remember when they asked about arm fatigue oh well you know trey lance has has had every quarterback i've ever had has had arm fatigue like he oh that's his like default answer So I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I don't like it for Jake Moody either. Cause let's remember oh, Jake yeah. Moody missed two kicks in the rain in Cleveland too. So yep. yeah, like the rain could be, it's, it goes back to this whole thing. We talk about Steph with like game script with the 49ers, right? How they win by getting up early, getting up multiple scores, having all their pieces on the field. And now apparently we're adding weather to that too, right? It's gotta be perfect weather conditions. In addition to having everybody in your starting lineup, like, the Eagles are the complete opposite. The Eagles win no matter what the conditions are. The Eagles win no matter what the score is. The Eagles win no matter who's in the lineup. That's what scares me the most about this game. Yeah, I mean, certainly one of the things we've talked about with the Eagles is, you know, their prowess for being able to win any which way. And even when they're behind, they find a way to win. They're resilient. Uh, so, They've they've played the last two games in some type of rain, right? At least they're I think their home games. The one against the Bills was definitely in in some oh, considerable yeah. rain. So, and they looked fine. It didn't look like it phased them at all. So, I I would like if the 49ers had had some of that experience, but it doesn't rain very often in Santa Clara, so they don't. And they're not doing anything to prepare for it. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see what that means for Sunday. If it means more of a ground game, just keep in mind the Eagles defense is kind of built to stop the run. Like they're that's what they're best at. Their defensive line is they have a lot of stout big guys. Um, you know, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, who can stop the run. And so that would be my biggest concern that okay, if you want to run the ball more, might be a little tough. So I, I feel like the rain just gives the Eagles an advantage. And what a boost it would be if the 49ers win this game, right? We're going into your house. You're getting maybe Lane Johnson back, maybe Dallas Goddard back, plus in the weather where you guys thrive and we still beat you. That would be a crazy boost if the Niners can pull it off. Yeah, no, no, it would. So I, I hope the 49ers are focused. I'm I'm confident about the game. I think I'm even more confident about this game than I am the NFC Championship game, honestly. Like, cause I'm looking, I look at the Eagles defense this year compared to last. And I think their defense last year was a lot better. 
I would agree. The 49ers defense right now, as it's been playing since the bye week, I think has been performing better, a lot better than the Eagles defense. So if we if we see the last three weeks of the 49ers defense and the last three weeks of the Eagles defense in this game, I think the 49ers should be able to win this game. Yeah, the 49ers have averaged uh, have allowed point totals of three, 14 and 13 since the bye week. The Seahawks did not score an offensive touchdown in that game. So the Niners seem to be ratcheting things up. I feel like they've figured out some things with marrying the coverage to the pass rush. I think the addition of Chase Young has really helped also. Uh, And they're going to need it. And I'm fascinated by how Steve Wilkes calls this game, Steph, because the Niners have not faced an opponent that one has an ability to convert in short yardage like the Eagles do, but two is willing to go for it on fourth down as much as the Eagles do. That changes everything, right? If it's first down and Philly gains eight yards, they're moving the chains. Like barring a penalty that pushes them back, they are moving the chains. And so like defensive coordinators like to save all their exotic stuff for third down with the Eagles. I don't think you can do that because you may not get to use it because they'll just tush push you on third and short. To me, you got to come out on first and second down and you have to shut them down. Like if you give up a five-yard gain on first down, you're in deep crap against this offense. You got to like, because you know, it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It puts so much pressure on your defense. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Niners attack that. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers defense hasn't been the greatest at, you know, stopping third downs anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe it'll just be more of the same, you know, as long as you stop them at some point, you know, in their drive and, you know, have them punting or, or settle, have them settling for a field goal then I'd feel better. But obviously it's, it's easier said than done. And, you know, one of the things Kyle said was in stopping the tush push is, well, you got to keep them from getting in those short yardage situations to begin with. Well, yeah, that's, that's easier said than done. Like how, how many times can you really think like you, you can do that in a game. Right. So, especially because I think they would be fine in working their offense in a way where they just get to those third and shorts, right? Or they're those fourth and shorts. Um, if nothing else it is successful. So yeah, there's there's a lot to consider for sure. I mean, this Eagles offense, I know all the things I said about the Eagles defense, but their offense is still really good and really dangerous. And it all starts with that man, Jalen Hurts. Um, so yeah, they have to be on all 10 toes and keeping an eye on him at all times too, making sure he doesn't escape the pocket and all that. And I think that's going to be on Fred mostly, right? And Dre too, to an extent. Both of those guys. It's going to be on them to track him down, basically, and get ready for the quarterback draw. You know, remember Trey Lance's first start against the Cardinals, how often they would just do quarterback draw. They would go empty and just do quarterback draw and pick up like three, four, five yards and make the rest of the series kind of easier for him. That's what the Eagles do when they get in trouble and they need to stabilize things. It's Jalen Hurts using his legs and it's been working for them to their credit. I'm not, it's not meant as a criticism. Um, So you got to be ready for that because they're going to use it. They're going to use it a lot and they're going to use it in the red zone, especially. Oh yeah. It's tough. It's like, you know, what's coming and you still, it's still very hard to stop. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that credit credit to them. I think if anyone can limit it, Cause you're not going to stop it entirely, but it, you can at least limit, limit it sometimes. 
the 49ers defense. Like I think, I think they're built to do it and the way they've been playing lately, these corners have been awesome. Uh, you know, Fred and, and Dre Greenlaw, probably the best linebacker group the Eagles are going to face all season. Right. So they're, they're built for it. Steve Wilkes, like he said a few weeks ago, I'm sort of built for this. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this challenge. I think it's going to tell us a lot about the 49ers. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely have another look at the forecast at, at all these matchups in uh, my preview Friday episode with Lori Fitzpatrick as well. We'll deep dive into the favorable and cautious matchups in this game. Rob, what do you have going on uh, leading up to the game? Well, actually, in about 20 minutes, I'm going to sit down with Benjamin Solak of The Ringer to kind of uh, dive into this matchup. Jeez. He, of course, did a lot of work for Bleeding Green Nation at SB Nation back in the day. So he knows the Eagles better than anybody. And then uh, later today, I'm going to have our live show with Levin Black, the usual gold standard podcast on Thursday. We're going to be joined by Brandon Lee Gowden, also of Bleeding Green Nation, uh, my old co-host back in the day when I was there. So uh, lots of Eagles talk, obviously. I love talking to people that that know the other team well to sort of because they, you know, they know the ins and outs. They know the warts. And I want to know, like, where is this Eagles team vulnerable so I could feel good going into the game? Because right now I, I got Ajita. All week I've had Ajita <laughs> because of this game. And one more thing. The Niners need this game not only to try and get the number one seed, but to stay as the two seed. Because if they lose this game, that's an NFC game. And they're ahead of the Lions right now because of better conference record. Well, if the Lions beat the Saints, which you would think they should, then all of a sudden the conference record is the same. Then it goes to the third tiebreaker, which I don't even know what it is off the top of my head. But if you can't be the one seed, you want to be the two seed because then you'll get home playoff games too. Yeah, and I, I would love to go to a home playoff game. So let's make it happen, 49ers. Um, yeah, dude, I, I'm so excited that you're going to be talking to Benjamin uh, Solak. I, I love his content, so that's really awesome. Um, but yeah, just make sure you guys subscribe to Rob's channel, The Gold Standard Network. Follow him on Twitter, Stats on Fire. Follow me on Twitter, Steph49K. I'm also on YouTube, which is why you're here, right? Uh, at <laughs> Steph49K. But make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Make sure you like this video if you have not yet. But for now, have a great rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.